0: This is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So they are the villains, and the opposite is America. Because America is now one big gay disco.
1: Fight the people who don't like disco. Mm
0: welcome again here we are in south bend indiana gloomy a gloomy uh spring day trying to get rid of winter winter keeps coming back here uh but today we have a special guest with us uh charles moskowitz a man who has had me on his show a number of times uh he i decided to reciprocate because he has written a a book uh, which we're going to discuss today. The book is called The Case for Jexit. Jexit, it's his word. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, uh, and it's going to talk about um, the movement of uh, American Jews to the right. Exodus from the left. Uh, is Charles here? Yeah, we have him? him Charles, Welcome.
2: Thank you, Michael. Great to be with you.
0: Yeah. So uh, I th- uh, I'd i like to thank Charles for writing this book. I think you've all done a fa- done us a favor uh, by writing it. Uh, and I'd like to cut to the chase right now because uh, to tell you, this is what he says about it. Uh, a quietly growing American Jexit movement is the topic of his book. An American... Jewish Exodus from the Left, a movement emerging on the horizon of American Jewish politics and culture. This movement challenges the old, corrupt, tribal, hollow, liberal Jewish political establishment that has weakened and corrupted Jewish values while dominating American, institutional American Judaism for over a century. Jexit involves a political and spiritual awakening, a conservative spring, one that is taking place within the individual uh, American Jew who is discovering what it means to be an American and what it means to be a Jew. Okay, sounds great, Uh, but uh, I have to say, I don't see any evidence for this happening now. I didn't see any names that you were putting here. What's the evidence that this is happening?
2: Well, well, Dr. Jones, I make the case for it to happen. The evidence really is more to do with looking at, I would say anecdotally, the internet. It's kind of an underground movement. Also, in my own community here in Boston, people are changing and they're talking to me, Soto Voch, Charles, we're with you, but we can't say anything. Because the establishment Jewish community has been captured by the left and has been That has been the case for probably the better part of a century. And they are a pretty tough group of people, and you don't want to mess with them. Uh, So, however, I think that we are rediscovering our equilibrium as a people and as a faith, and that Judaism itself is a conservative faith, going all the way back to Sinai. And that I think the process of recognizing that is something that inevitably is happening because it's the truth and truth will weigh out in the end. Okay, Uh, but we
0: may not be near the end here. And uh, at this point, there's plenty of evidence to the contrary. I mean, you've got that Trump uh, poster behind you. Uh, That seems to be in a parting of the ways here. You have the most uh, pro-Jewish president in American history just denounced by the ADL as an anti-Semite. On top of that, you have uh, not only have the Jews returned to the Democratic Party, they've taken over the Democratic Party. Now, this isn't my claim. Uh, This is the the article written by uh, Lyle Leibowitz. It was an attack on Jonathan Greenblatt, uh, a partisan Democrat, who, uh, according to Leibovitz, has engineered a merger between the ADL and the Democratic Party. They've never been closer uh, than
2: they are right now. It's the last desperate gasp of the old left control of Judaism. Uh, I get into this in my book. I trace it back to the false messiah, Shabtay Zvi, of the 17th century and the beginning of the subversion of Judaism at that time. They do not represent Judaism, that they are heretical, if you take a look at the actual covenant of Judaism and the faith, and that in spite of their power, and you're quite right, I mean, they are merging with the Democratic Party, they might as well be the Democratic Party. Um, In spite of that, there is a movement, of a growing movement of awareness, it's inevitable, that Jews are wakening up to the true nature of our covenant, the, uh, the covenant of Sinai, the moral and ethical precepts that precede and that are, that are the substance of that covenant. It's inevitable that we are going to be in tune with that. And as far as Donald Trump goes, he's very popular in Israel, I may note. And also he is the, in a way, in the same way that you might say that uh, Bill Clinton was referred to as the first black president, Trump was the first Jewish president in the real sense, in that he embodied Jewish values and he was very supportive of the state of Israel. And uh, and he supported uh, general Jewish values in a way that I think is unprecedented. Well, uh, at the same time, we've got Biden's minion. Uh,
0: you're, you're familiar <laughs> with this, aren't you? Yes, this, this, right. is a, this is an article that appeared in the Forward right after Biden was elected. Uh, and he said that there are enough uh, Jews in the Biden administration to have a million. It's actually they have more than a million. If you take into account the people outside of the cabinet, they've got uh, enough for a congregation, a, a fair sized congregation. Uh, now, we are in a state of crisis here. I, maybe I, I think you'll agree with me about that. I do. Yeah, yeah. OK, now uh, and the Biden administration I think has precipitated this crisis by it's uh, a combination of arrogance and incompetence. So I'm going to make a statement here. I'm going to make a claim that the Biden administration is the worst administration in American history. I couldn't agree with you more, uh, Michael. Okay. Now let me make a second claim. The Biden administration is also the most Jewish administration in American history more Jews in the Biden administration than any other administration in American history.
2: Well, as, as I started with, the, the liberal Jewish establishment controls the high ground of our faith and culture. It's hard to be a conservative Jew and to challenge them. And I, I would argue that the Biden administration, which, I, I mean, I'm not going to mince words here, they are not legitimate, frankly. Um, that they are, I hope and I pray, the last gasp of this internationalist, corrupt, leftist, illuminated establishment that has not only co-opted aspects of Judaism, but of Christianity and of America and of the Western uh, mores of civilization. They are, I think, on their, on their final grasp here. I hope and I pray that that's the case. I believe that because I believe that in the end, good comes, emerges and that the truth emerges. Well, I, I,
0: I hope you're right, because I agree with you. But is the Biden administration the worst administration in American history because it's the most Jewish administration in history? No,
2: it, it, that's not relevant. It's the worst administration because it's the most leftist administration. Yeah, it but is the most corrupting of, um, of reality. It's the most corrupting of American values, both morally and politically.
0: So it has nothing to do with uh, Biden's minion, with all those Jews there? No. The, the,
2: the fact that they happen to be of Jewish background is not to be seen as an attack on Judaism itself. They are attacking Judaism itself. You know, if you take, you mentioned the ADL, <clears throat> they are, they, first of all, they don't speak for Judaism. Secondly, they're involved with every left-wing cause under the sun that has nothing to do with Judaism. They're, they're socialists. That's what this is. That's what we're talking about here. All right. And,
0: yeah. Let's 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 get more, let, a little more specific. Uh, I'm going to make a claim here. Uh, Anthony Blinken is the worst Secretary of State in the history of the United States of America. Agreed. Okay. I mean, we could go into detail, but I don't really have to do that now. Uh, Anthony Blinken.
2: I'm sorry. You're cutting up. You on agree me. to that? I didn't hear all of that. You An- up.
0: Anthony Blinken is a Jew. Yes, he's a Jew. Okay, Anthony Blinken is the worst Secretary of State in American history because he's a Jew.
2: I I reject that. He's not. It's not because he's a Jew. It's because he's a he's a gigolo. No, I don't know. I mean, he's not. He's not a serious person, and he's a I, he's I agree with that. Cat's part to this. To this internationalist order, which is predominantly, by the way, not Jewish, uh, in terms of the actual personnel. Right. I
0: agree. We both agree. By the way,
2: Henry Kissinger was a Jew and he was not a terrible secretary of state. Right. But I I think that uh, let's get more
0: specifically about uh, about Blinken. Uh, This is a man who uh, can't negotiate. He can't talk. He's good at breaking off negotiations, okay? He got America involved in a war in the Ukraine, which it cannot win, okay? We're seeing the final days of that. Uh, He's collaborating with another Jew who is the head of uh, the Ukraine. There are pictures of him flying over there, okay? I understand that. You're the Secretary of State. You're going over there. But what we're dealing with here is a Jewish operation, are you, it's it's collaboration between American Jews and the Ukrainian
2: Jews in the name of the American people. There's something wrong here. I mean, blinken might do a, he might do himself a service by consulting with his Roman Catholic wife, but putting that aside, the fact that these people happen to be of Jewish background again, it's not the relevant factor. The fact is okay. they're internationalists as far as Ukraine goes. They are nationalists who are watching out or trying to watch out as corrupt as they are for the sovereignty of their own country, and they're drawing whatever force they can to help them preserve that against the Russian enemy. I get that. I don't think the United States needs to become embroiled in another war, God forbid. And I think there are, as far as the Jews go, there are Jews on both sides of that question politically. There are Jews who support a more internationalist position and, and getting involved in wars and there were those who opposed. Look, on my program, I just had on the ambassador from Poland. And he came on my program, very elegant man, very articulate, to talk about, he's doing a tour to try to get the United States more embroiled in a war in Ukraine. And I said to him, quite frankly, I said, look, why is Poland wanting to involve get involved in a war with Russia? Didn't you learn from World War II? You know, Russia is. You know, you want to have. You should be negotiating right. a peace agreement. Right, I with agree British with you. South. I agree with you, Poland. But the problem is, you
0: got the same problem in Poland. Uh, they're called neoconservatives. The people who are in charge of the Polish government are called neoconservatives, which is a code word for Jew. So you got Jewish influence there leading Where? the war. There's no Jewish Poland. influence in Poland. It's the most Catholic country in the world. Just because it's a Catholic country doesn't mean it has Catholic leadership. Anyway, but there's another another thing we got to uh, bring up here. We have uh, Merrick Garland. Okay. Okay. Another Jew. Okay. Now, Mer- <laughs> Mer- now Merrick Garland. Uh, I'm not making this up. Yet. You, <laughs> you know Okay. So Merrick Garland uh, is pictured. Okay. First of all, he has to be go before the Senate. Josh right. Hawley brags him before the Senate and he says, look, you're, you're prosecuting conservative Catholics
2: because they're pro-lifers. OK, that's an outrage. And by the way, I think it's a disgrace that the Jewish leadership doesn't condemn that. It's okay. an absolutely despicable development that right. they would be putting spies in Roman Catholic churches. Yeah. This is you know, so un-American and so rotten. Good. It's well, the FBI, I think, that's really doing that, headed up by Christopher Wray, not a Jew. Anyway. Yeah, but
0: that, he's under the Justice Department, which is headed by Miracle Ireland, who is a Jew. And but so he the, was, he was so,
2: recommended to Trump by um, Chris Christie, who is not a Jew. Right. You know, you and I get into this. We say, I'll see your Jew and I'll raise you two cows. Right. I'm raising Jews right now. <laughs> I, I, we're, we're in the process of doing it. So, anyway, what okay. I'm saying
0: here is why is. Why is uh, Marek Garland in the Ukraine shaking hands with Zelensky, another Jew? Here we got another Jew shaking hands with Zelensky. And it leads me to believe this is a Jewish operation. First of all, the attorney general has no business being in the Ukraine. That's a foreign country. Okay. And then the second thing is that what Josh, Josh Hawley rightly brought up, the whole right to life thing, Uh, The FBI is going after conservative Catholics. Now, the most recent thing is this Jack Texiera thing, which uh, Larry Johnson, uh, uh, two other CIA guys have said it's impossible that that guy should have that information. But he's got the profile profile is conservative Catholic. And that's who the FBI is going uh, against. Okay. so what I would have done when I get elected senator from Indiana, and I probably will do this at some point in the next 500 years. Uh, is, uh, I would have said, uh, well, wait a minute, Catholic is only half of the equation. Uh, How do you feel about abortion, Mr. Garland? Do you think that abortion is a fundamental Jewish value? And at that point, it would have blown up the adl would have uh, jumped into the thing and so on and so forth but i think it's a relevant question because 400 now jewish organizations have come out and said abortion is a fundamental jewish value and i'm saying i've said it already but i'm saying that uh, he isn't capable of enforcing the law because he's jewish because he's jewish and that has interfered with his ability to understand the law. And I'll take it one step further. Well, let's go to Mr. Mayorkas. Okay, there's another Jew, uh, and he can't enforce the law either. He can't protect the border. And then we have another Jew, Janet Yellen, who also flies to the Ukraine to shake hands with the, the Jew Zelensky. And uh, she can't keep banks from failing, but she's giving him more money. Now, is this, is this, is this me? Is it me? Charles, is it, is it because I'm an anti-Semite that
2: I'm, I'm seeing this? Or is there some reality there? Well, it's not that they can't enforce the law. It's that they are enforcing their own agenda. And they're not incompetent. They're well, quite Jewish, conscious isn't in their a, goal to make the United States a province of the world. But isn't it a Jewish agenda? No, it is not a Jewish agenda. That, If anything, it's more of a WASP agenda, at least based on my research. If, if it's to be ascribed to any particular ethnic group, I think it transcends all of the all ethnic groups. And it's certainly anti-religious. It is an internationalist agenda that we can trace back to various movements in the 18th century, including the false Jewish messiah, Shaq and including it. the Catholic Illuminati and including other and the WASP um, British Rhodes Roundtable and other groups that sought to subvert the nations and the religions of the world and create a world order.
0: Okay. All right. We've been down this road before. Uh, I kind of knew what you were going to say. But, uh, I mean, so let's let's get back to Jexit here. Sure. Uh, I think it's out of date, if you want my humble opinion. I think that you're writing about a a time that has come and gone. And I'm talking about the rise of neoconservatism. This was news, yeah. let's say, in the 1980s, you had prominent people like, obviously, Irving Kristol is the man who created the word. Uh, he was a reformed Trotskyite. You had uh, Midge, uh, Norman Podaritz uh, at that time, big star the uh, uh, editor of commentary, who was also known as a conservative. And you had Midge Dechter, his wife, who wrote a book called An Old, uh, An Old Wife's Tale, Uh, Which talked about how the Jews were brought into the Republican Party at that point. Uh, Now, you uh, quote uh, the guy who wrote this up, by the way, was uh, Benjamin Ginsburg. And you know about him because I do. I've interviewed him. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you also quoted Benjamin Ginsburg in in your book. book. Okay. Now, what you didn't quote is a, a, a passage that I really thought was relevant which was basically his claim talking about neoconservatism the whole book is about neoconservatism it's about the panic that went through the jewish community when it looked as if pat buchanan was going to run for president or become president Uh, and he said in his book uh, many neocons are fond of saying privately that social issues are merely useful bait with which to attract the votes of the riffraff now, I'm not uh, uh, a Hebrew scholar, but I'm, I, I think riffraff here is the, his word for goyim, okay? It's another word for, for not Jews. What, what do you think about that? You read his book. What do you think about that claim?
2: Well, the book I talk about that I quote in my book is The Fatal Embrace, the Jews and the State, and I get into why it is that Jews have been attracted to authoritarian governments. Um, and uh, so that's, that's where I'm coming from with him. As far as the neocons go, I mean, there are Jewish and non-Jewish neocons. I if you if you think that my book is supporting neocons, you haven't read it because All right. And so aren't they conservative Jews? Isn't that they what they claim to be? But they're in, they're glo- they're globalists. They're warmongers. That's uh you know they they like to put on. I think that uh, in a way Ginsburg, who is a liberal. Uh, put, you know, sort of uh, spilled the beans a little bit there by noting that right. they're I think claiming that. to be conservative, but in fact, they're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. I mean, they are they want to have this, they're the same uh, neocons as the non-Jewish neocons like the Rockefeller family. Uh, you know, they want to have an internationalist order and 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 perpetual war. Uh, you know, this isn't a, it's not, I would argue, not a Jewish phenomena. It's a phenomena that... Uh, it goes back are you saying neoconservative is not a jewish phenomenon yes i am i'm saying there are plenty of non-jewish neoconservatives all right now now, comes to mind i don't think he's i'm not i'm not not questioning the the i'm not questioning the fact
0: that there are non-jews who call themselves neoconservatism neoconservatives but i am saying neoconservatism was a jewish movement is 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 there is there any let me put it this way is there anything any
2: such thing as a Jewish movement? Um, Probably, but I think that Jews have latched into that movement. Jews have been part of a lot of movements. Jews are also at the forefront of the peace movement. You know, Wait, but let let me get
0: right to your book. okay? Okay. You say in your book that the civil rights movement was a Jewish movement and you're proud to be part of it,
2: right? No, I said that you said that it was a civil rights movement and I'm proud to own that. Yeah. Okay, so
0: some movements are. It's okay to say the civil rights movement was a Jewish movement. No, I'm
2: saying that Jews embraced the civil rights movement. The Jewish civil rights movement was an organic movement in this country that had to do with uh, trying to stop uh, legal state-sponsored no, I, I, I what against African Americans.
0: You don't have to tell me what it is. Oh, I know right. what it Thank is. You. Okay, uh, but it
2: uh, uh, to what extent was it Jewish? I think the Jews embrace that idea. They still do. I do. I don't think that legal discrimination is a good idea. Okay. So that's a good Jewish movement. It's a good movement that Jews embraced. Okay. How about Bolshevism? How about Bolshevism? Bolshevism, unfortunately, this is where there you make a point. It's an Achilles heel in that there were too many Jews who embraced that movement. And that's a disgrace in the same way that it's a disgrace that so many Germans embrace Nazism. The Germans on on one hand came to terms with this and and acknowledged it and went through a process by which they rejected it. On the other hand, Jews, we haven't gotten quite there yet. We were pro, uh, there was a large segment of the Jewish population that embraced communism. That is something that I've spoken out against. I think other conservative Jews have as well. And that's a process by which I hope the Jexit movement brings to light and, and that there's a reckoning on that. Because, it, yes, it, Jews did embrace communism. Okay. So a, a, a large number of them did. Okay. Most didn't, but a large number did. A pretty good.
0: Okay. Number did. All right. Good. Good. Uh, so I'm I'm reading the book and I'm thinking, what is what is this book really about what the title is? I mean, you mention it and then it, it kind of gets dropped. And then I, I came across the passage that kind of made me wonder, uh, maybe it's about something else. Maybe it's about me. I suddenly started to wonder about that because I got to this point where it's, he just, he, you describe E. Michael Jones as a man who is, quote, one of the foremost enemies of the Jewish people today. Indeed. No, I didn't know that. I thought we were friends, Charles. Well, we are
2: friends, but you know, on a political <laughs> level, you, look, Mike, you, you clearly are an enemy of the Jewish people and so of Judaism. Charles, so Charles introduced, this is my
0: good friend, E. Michael Jones, who is one of the foremost enemies of the Jewish people
2: today. Oh, well, look, welcome, Mike. Mike, the reason that I talk to you is, is in a way, besides the fact that I do feel that, that we're friends, is that I want to be, uh, look, if if Adolf Hitler were alive today, I'd talk to him. I'd bring him on my show. Would you? I I want to basically engage in an open dialogue and a discussion as a way to sort of let the listener make up their own mind to get to truths. And okay. I, admi- and by the way, saying, they haven't said that, I do admire your scholarship immensely. You know, you. I, mean, I think you're right you. completely out to lunch on the Jewish issue, but as everything else is incredible. Okay.
0: All right. Good. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. But, uh, you, you, you write, uh, on the book I wrote, the relevant book is The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. And you write about that, as you say, this thousand page book includes extraordinarily little information about Judaism. Indeed. And very few Jews, as only a handful of Jews appear in the last chapter of the book where he wrote about Woody Allen and Philip Uh, Roth. not, Not exactly great members of the tribe. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, I have a question here. Sure. The first the first reference to Woody Allen in The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit occurs on page 947. Yeah, toward the end now, of the book. Now, wait, are you claiming that uh, no Jew got
2: mentioned in the previous 946 pages? There's scant information about Jews or about Judaism at all. Look, with due respect, Mike, you don't have a lot of scholarship on actual Judaism. I don't see a lot there yeah, in terms of what believe. I would leave.
0: Wait a minute! You just told me you admired my scholarship. Now you're saying I'm right, not. And I also
2: said that on the issue on this one issue, you're out to lunch. Okay, but I, admire, I, admire I, I, on, I admire your work uh, on. I admire, you know, some of your work on the sexual revolution. I, and,
0: I admire your frankness, Charles. Okay. I, I believe in unprotected intercourse and that's what we're having here. Right. But I have to disagree with you here because uh, I, let me, I, I did you what you criticize me for uh, a, a whole list of uh, things as if I made it all up. It's, it's all my fevered anti-Semitic mind that comes up with these ideas. But uh, one of the people I did cite on page 157, which is roughly 800 pages before Woody Allen, uh, uh, is the uh, testimony of Rabbi Louis Israel Newman. I mean, you say, I don't cite Jews. I don't deal with Judaism. Well, he's a rabbi. Okay. And I, I just, wa- just want to read you uh, this, this passage here uh, to kind of bring this, co- this conversation back to reality here. Okay, uh, this is referring to a bishop, the bishop's final, uh, uh, in Bohemia, final malediction against Huss mentions accusations that dogged Huss's movement. We're talking about the Hussite rebellion. Mm-hmm. From its inception, Huss was accused of conspiring with the Jews, which discredited the movement in the eyes of the Orthodox. Most of the evidence comes from the Jewish Jewish sources. Rabbi Louis Israel Newman claims the Hussite revolution was, quote, a conspiracy between Hussites, Waldensians, and Jews, close quote. Huss, thus stigmatized, was thus stigmatized as the Judaizer. His followers were stigmatized as, quote, Jews or worse than Jews, and the Hussite movement was characterized as, quote, Judaism, unquote. The, change, the charge was based on the Hussites' tendency to portray their cause in Old Testament terms, but there are other reasons. Newman claims the Testament uh, Newman claims the Hussites had quote personal associations with individual Jews and Jewish communities in their country. He also claims that quote Jewish groups participated actively and publicly in the rise and spread of the Hussite movement. According to Newman Jewish support of heretical movements, especially when they threatened to spill over into political revolutions quote, run like dark threads through the history of nearly every movement of reform in European Christendom, but they quote, united in a special combination in the case of the Hussite reformation. Newman sees Jewish content, a Jewish continuity in Europe's revolutionary movements. Newman also sees the Hussite revolt quote, as the second important movement to challenge the authority of the Catholic church. Now, why did you say I didn't mention Jews or Judaism when I give this whole passage here and it's all based on something that a rabbi said?
2: First of all, I didn't say you didn't mention it. I said there's very little in the book. The main thing I got from the book was essentially the conflict between Roman Catholics and Protestants. And in that sense, it's a brilliant history that goes well. What about right what from I the beginning? Said, what about what well, I you also said. basically said that any opposition to the catholic church all the way back you you refer to it as having been a jewish influence and with the hussites your your case primarily was that because they were fundamental believers in the torah in the, no, wait, in the no, wait, Bible, wait, wait, wait wait i didn't say that that's rabbi lewis
0: okay. israel newman's statement he said he that said Jews we ever involved
2: in every single revolutionary movement in european history well, let me ask you this, Mike, if, if the uh, Hussite movement, of which uh, the Catholic Church executed 250 Hussites by burning them at the stake, including Jan Hus himself, and that's according to your book, they were Judaizers because they were fundamental believers in the Torah, in the Bible, and they took it all very literally. And that's the evidence that they're Judaizers. At the same time, you refer to John Calvin as a Judaizer because he was more of a Talmudic thinker. He believed in layers of law and explanation and, and, and analysis. So, you know, you have, with, and by the way, the Protestants called the Roman Catholic Church a Judaizing influence, and you had both sides calling the other Judaizing, which was obviously meant to be a derogatory term. The fact is that Judaism itself doesn't do, you know, it's it's kind of both of these factors. It's not fundamental in its absolute belief in the Torah, the literal language of the Torah. In fact, there was a heresy within Judaism called charism that, that was a breakaway. It is more Talmudic in that it, it's involved in explanations of the Torah and experience from the Torah. That, if, if, that, you're, if you're saying that Judaism
0: is Talmudic, I agree with you. Yes. If you're saying there is an unbroken continuity from Moses to the synagogue you go to, I disagree with you. They are two fundamentally different things divided by the arrival of Jesus Christ on this earth, which broke up the Mosaic covenant, made it impossible for Jews to follow that covenant and created an entirely new religion, which was uh, the Talmudic religion.
2: The Talmud is known in Judaism as as the oral law, the Shebal Pei. It was written down, they started to codify it during the um, emperorship of Marcus Aurelius when, the, when Judah the prince began to write it down because at that point he saw that Israel had lost sovereignty and that Judea had lost sovereignty and he wanted to protect the oral law going forward and create a platform by which the covenant could continue. But uh, the covenant itself and the oral law itself goes back to Sinai. I mean, the written Torah is the written Torah, but if you read the written Torah, It says that God gave the Torah and all of the commandments and precepts along with the Torah. Those commandments and precepts were the oral law, and oral law is something that exists not just in Judaism, but in a lot of societies around the world have oral law. The thing is that the Talmud was deliberately written down as a decision because the Jews had lost I, I am not
0: basing my argument on the fact that it, there was an oral law. I'm saying that there was a radical discontinuity here between, and, and you yourself pointed out in your book, mm-hmm. you said that, uh, mentioned the fact that rabbis Yohanan uh, Ben Zakkai mm-hmm. had to go to Titus and ask him for permission to create a stool.
2: That's a new era of Judaism. Don't you agree to that? He went to to Vespasian and according to the legend, when he showed up after being hidden in a coffin, he hailed him as the emperor. He wasn't the emperor yet, but it was, he said, I saw this in a dream. And so Vespasian favored him and he he granted him the right to continue with the yeshiva. But that wasn't, it wasn't something that came out of the blue. Yeshivas were developed in Israel going back to Ezra the scribe return from the Babylonian no, exile not, nothing comes out of the blue but the
0: fact of the matter is that he had to do something because the romans had destroyed the temple and if there's no temple you can no priesthood no sacrifice no temple you can't fulfill the mosaic covenant so the mosaic, mosaic covenant is over there's a discontinuity here
2: no i disagree with that The wait, mosaic wait, covenant
0: wait, wait. Is- do you disagree with the fact that the te- the temple was destroyed no was the temple necessary for the fulfillment of the mosaic covenant
2: no but then why did they build it
0: first why of all they? the temple
2: isn't even mentioned in the torah then why did they build it they built it because
0: part of the why were they going through all of this animal sacrifice why were they doing this if it was unnecessary it's not that it was unnecessary but it's not well, that it's- wait a minute. so it was
2: necessary
1: if it's not
2: unnecessary it is necessary it is not the central part of the jewish faith never was it is one aspect one means by which we worship it's it's a ritualistic it is involving space as opposed to time as opposed to faith it's one piece of the puzzle but it is not the essential piece it's one part of it and jews have conducted themselves without the temple throughout history obviously you
0: you did it the jews did it but that means that there is no continuity here that's the whole point we have this sleight of hand where we're talking about every time we say the word jew we don't know whether we're talking about the followers of the talmud or the followers of the torah we don't know whether we're talking about jews hebrews at the time of moses or sarah silverman who said she'd kill christ again if she had the chance they're all jews
2: they're all just jews aren't they we are talking about one and the same. The Jews, from the day, from the time of Moses right up till today, there has not been a single day in existence where you have not had 10 bar mitzvahed, circumcised Jewish men come together and intone prayers that go back to that time. It has never been interrupted. It is a direct link from Sinai. There are other elements that are very fundamental and very important to that covenant that go back to Sinai that are continually observed. Temple worship was just one small piece of it that came later, actually. The actual laws, the moral and ethical precepts of the Torah, both in terms of the extra layer of observance, which is really the subject of of Leviticus, and it's the subject of the five books of Moses, and all of the rituals that are performed there which is supposed to enhance that spiritual element the what you call logos what the Talmud calls nomos the understanding of morality and of ethics that's something that has continued and that is the covenant it's not putting a, a you know burning a, a cow in a temple that came later and that is not something well, that you're, you're 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 denying something you're kind of uh,
0: speaking derogatory or dismissively of something was that was the center of Jewish worship, and suddenly it's not the center of Jewish worship. Anyway, uh, we've been. Okay. Uh, uh, you've, already, you've stated your case. I've stated mine. There's another issue here. You you talk about uh, communism. Uh, in the in your book you say uh, Stalin established a national police force known as Cheka and uh, various genocidal policies of assassination, population, transfer, and planned famine. Now, was Cheka a Jewish organization?
2: It was. They put that, put it this way. The Jews, there were people of Jewish background who were involved in it. Just, they were involved with the whole uh, Bolshevik revolution. Was I, don't that. There's no, I don't deny that. Okay. It's a Jewish organization. In fact, it's not. But... Well, why, you didn't bring this up in your book.
0: In other words, the, the, the whole notion of Jewish participation in uh, communism is missing from your book. You
2: never mentioned it. No, I do. I think I mentioned that. And I've, I've certainly mentioned it in other books I've written about Judaism. Um, and, and that, you know, I have owned up to that. I think that that's a dark uh, mark on, on our faith and on the history of our faith. And it's not Jewish, it's a rejection of the covenant. The people who were involved, the Bolsheviks, were denying their Jewishness in every in it in a thorough way. And that I think that as a body, we need to look within. I mean, my whole idea of a Jexit is to rediscover who we are, what the faith is, what the covenant is, as a way to clean our own house. You know, this is something that has corrupted the jewish body and it, and i would argue it goes back again to that false messiah sharp v and and this rejection this antinomian idea this rejection of the torah and of all the moral and ethical precepts that that the torah stands for and that god expected us to observe
0: yeah i uh, uh i just to follow up on your thought that uh, salo baron was a, a jewish historian who said that uh uh writing about the Cheka, anyone who had the misfortune to fall in the hands of the Cheka stood a very good chance of finding himself confronted with and possibly shot by a Jewish investigator. But again, every time I bring up uh, a Jewish participation in something that you don't like, you say it really doesn't have anything to do with Jews. It's kind of coincidental.
2: It, it, look, at, I mean, look, the, the Gestapo was run by 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 Catholics. I mean, does that make it a Catholic organization? I mean, it's not, the the fact that these were were of Jewish background, it is a problem. I will acknowledge that. But it is something that is a heresy within Judaism. It is a poison that has infected the Jewish tree. That's my whole point of talking about Jackson.
0: Hilaire Belloc said Judaism was a heresy. The the whole point of this okay. is and I've I said
2: Belloc had some anti-Semitic ideas. He was a great man, and I liked his philosophy of the small business along with G. K. Chesterton. These were great thinkers, but you know, they they had the same anti-Semitic idea about the Jews. I mean, it's just that's Oh, is of- it
0: is it anti-Semitic to say that anyone who had the misfortune to fall into the hands of the Cheka stood a very good chance of finding himself confronted with and possibly shot by a Jewish investigator?
2: I think that the fact that the Jewish investigator as such, that's not the relevant factor. The fact that that this is a communist group. When is it relevant? It's relevant to understand the international communist conspiracy. You say it
0: is relevant. It's relevant when it's good, when it makes Jews look good. We're talking about two different categories here. No, you said this with the Civil Rights Movement. That's a political movement. It's okay to say the Jews were associated as Jews. Even in that that case,
2: Mike, they were not associated as Jews. They were associated as good Americans.
0: What about uh, Rabbi Heschel? He was certainly associated with the Civil Rights Movement as a Jew. He was giving a Jewish blessing to the Civil Rights Movement. So it's okay. It's okay if it if it puts the. Jew, it's okay if it, you can talk about Jews if you're putting Jews in a good light, and then that's a category of reality. But as soon as it's something that Jews don't want to take responsibility for, then it's
2: anti-Semitism. No, it, look at it this way: you're, if you're talking about Jews embracing <clears throat> political movements and ideas that are consonant with the Jewish covenant, like the civil rights movement like the American movement, then, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 they're closer to the covenant. They're getting closer to knowing God, which is the Jewish mission. If they're embracing communism, if they're embracing you know, Bolshevism, they're falling away from knowledge of God. They're still Jews, but they are dangerously skirting on the edge of heresy, if not in it. And a lot of these same Jews would deny their own Jewishness, even though they are Jews. No, they don't deny their own Jewishness. Well, they I, mean, I don't think Trotsky as a Jew.
0: They define their Jewishness differently the way you do. And so the question then becomes how can we come to some type of normative judgment when you say it's one thing and they say it's another? There's a Jew. the Jewish Democratic uh, uh, organization just put out a plate. Which you can use, I guess, to eat off of. And on this plate is what we believe as Jews. And it's the, uh, we believe in abortion as a fundamental Jewish value. They believe in transgenderism. They believe in, it just goes down the line. All the, that's crazy. They don't speak
2: for Judaism.
0: Well, wait a minute. But how can you say that? How can you say how can you say that you're the only one who speaks for Judaism? I don't say I speak for Judaism, I speak for myself. You are no wait a minute. No, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. That's not true. Every time I bring up some Jew that you don't like, you say, Well, he doesn't speak for Judaism, he's not really a Jew. It's this, that, he's not really
2: a Jew. They are Jews, but they're they're not embracing Jewish values. Does does President Joe Biden embrace Catholic values? No, when he says that I, people can, who are transgendered and to be against that is, is sinful I, and evil. I, I can
0: define Catholic values in a way that is normative because there is a magisterium to the Catholic Church, but you can't. Yes, you I don't. can.
2: No, you can't. Jewish values is knowing and believing in God and also embracing the moral and ethical precepts of the Torah. That is the beginning of Jewish values. Most Jews are ignorant of their own values. So and also, also, I have another theory here. Well, how
0: would you characterize most Jews then?
2: I characterize they, most Jews as not aware of their own, no the wait, of their maybe, own let's, agency as
0: Jews. Let's kind of try and come to some type of median of the miser. Okay, okay. Most Jews, would you say that most Jews are in rebellion against the Torah?
2: Yes, I would. Well, then I would agree with you. I would but agree that doesn't in any that way invalidate mean. the Torah or J- Jewish mission. Uh wait a minute. We have no. to get back to no, the Jewish no.
0: stop, mission. Stop, stop. You're saying too many things at once. All of right. course it doesn't invalidate the Torah. The Torah is the word of God. The Torah is a Christian document. Okay? It is part of the Christian scriptures. Well, because of Moses and because the Christians are the children of Moses, okay? But when you talk about Jewish project, whatever you just said, Jewish projects, of course it invalidates Jewish projects or Jewish projects invalidate the whole understanding of Judaism that you're proposing. You can't have it both ways.
2: You can't no, have The, it both the ways. understanding of Judaism is very simple, knowing God. You know, look, let me just give you a quick theory here you yes, your that's your definition of No, it's not my definition. It's the Torah's definition. Let me but, give you a quick theory here, Mike. Do, all we, right? No, we just agreed. The fact that we have walked with God, we just like agreed.
0: So many, we just agreed that most Jews are in rebellion against the Torah. We agreed on that,
2: didn't we? Most Christians are in rebellion against it too. In this day and age, unfortunately. As, as you need to say, find common cause, you and you I you should find be. common cause because we
0: support the Torah. Okay, now, b- back to, uh, first of all, as you would say, I reject that. But anyway, let's try and go, <laughs> let's make a stab here at common cause. Okay. I'm suspicious. I'm suspicious because of what Hinsberg uh, said. I'm suspicious of this overture toward conservatism, whatever that means, because it's easy to be cooperative, because I think that the Jews are just trying to control both sides of the narrative. I don't think there's there's a a, a sincerity here uh, that can be trusted. I think that once the Jew gets in, he represents his own agenda in the name of some type of other entity. And the classic example right now is the Biden administration, where you have Anthony Blinken and Merrick Garland and Mayorkas and Yellen all saying we're Americans
2: when all they're doing is representing Jewish special interests they're representing the international left and i think that the majority of jews if Why you look really at the surface, these apodictic statements they are jews representing jewish interest they look does biden represent catholic interest does nancy pelosi and the the uh, the Cuomo brothers represent catholic interests no i mean they represent an, a, a view that is internationalist its establishment it is not really consonant not only with Jewish and Christian interests but with American interests and I think that one of the you know this uh, let me just say that you know because of our thousands of years of trying to be close to God and walk with God and carry on this extra burden of faith and be a light unto the nations and be a chosen people and all of that I think that the Jewish people in many ways are very intense. And that intensity can either be applied for the good or it can be applied for the, for the evil. So you have some very powerfully good Jews who have carried on the faith and who have been an inspiration for the world and for themselves and for the faith. But you also have Jews who have fallen by the wayside and can be very bad. And that some of these people in the Biden administration are an example of that. They have that same energy, that same intensity, that same condition to to know greater truths, but they're applying it in an inverse way. They're applying it it. in an opposite way. I'm
0: saying that is Judaism. And I'm saying 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 that is is, the thesis (laughs) of the Jewish revolutionary spirit. And that's why I'm saying that you wrote this book. It was about the Jewish revolutionary spirit. Jexit doesn't exist. But anyway, the conclusion, you know, so you still think I'm one of the most foremost enemies of the Jewish people today? You are. You're the most
2: outspoken anti-Jewish figure on the scene. I'm not, I'm not saying that because I, I think that you're decided, but I respect you. I mean, that's why I continue to talk with you. I mean, I, I think that you're a brilliant scholar. I mean, and, and that's, what makes, that's why it's in a way it's like but you, do you don't understand that. how you gets down this
0: road. No, you said that the the Jewish revolutionary spirit was shoddy scholarship. That's what you said. No,
2: I just said it was. It's brilliant scholarship if you want to understand the history of Catholic, uh, you know, Protestant relations. It just just has nothing to do with very little to do with Judaism. If it's It's not about about Jews, it's not good scholarship. I don't, you,
0: you're trying to get you around it here. Put it this
2: way. You should give it a different title. You should give it the history of Catholic-Jewish relations. The Catholic okay. And, I, and think,
0: I agree. In some sense, you should give your book a different title too, because it's okay. not about Jews becoming conservatives. It's about uh, refuting the Jewish revolutionary spirit. I think that's what the book is about.
2: Okay. I think that's a fair criticism. Look, okay. I've been very influenced by your views. I mean, it's part of it. Uh, There are other things in this book I'll I'll note. Yeah. I I remember our first interview.
0: Uh, I remember thinking we had a real meeting of the minds here. Okay. And then you tell me, oh, I forgot to press the record button.
2: Well, look, I mean, Dr. Jones, I am notoriously incompetent when it comes to technical matters. I mean, that's the first time I
0: did. I I wish you had. I wish you had repressed the recording. I do too. I wish I had that. Believe me. Because uh, afterwards, it was more of this type of back and forth. Uh, But even that is different than what is in the book. Whereas basically, no matter how you what kind of positive light you put on it now, uh, it's pretty clear what what you're saying about me. Uh, You're saying I'm an anti-Semite, which is the worst thing you can say about someone. Uh, it can lose, cause you to lose your job or get banned from Amazon. Uh, you are delivering. When you say that, no matter what you say to the contrary, you're delivering me into the hands of the A.D.L., uh, which is the modern-day Cheka, which says out to destroy anyone who disagrees with me. There's no way around it. Now, if you use that terminology, you are trying to destroy me. It's that simple. Now, I'm a good Christian. I I aspire to be a good Christian. So I'm not going to take this personally, even though it was, I think, intended personally. But I'm going to tell you uh, that I think uh, what you're saying here is right about the Jewish revolutionary spirit. I think it was significant. I think it's been out for a long time now. I think it's uh, uh, no one, uh, I give you credit for at least trying to talk about it. Uh, because no other Jew has come forward to even attempt to do this. They try and simply ban you. When, when the Jews don't like what they, you say, they pick up stones and try to kill you uh, in the modern day uh, application of that on the internet. So I'm grateful that you did that. But the fact of the matter remains is that uh, I think in the in the final analysis, I think what you're trying to do here is defend Jewish privilege. I think that's what you're doing. You're not interested in the truth as much as you're interested in defending Jewish privilege. Anyway, okay. that's, that's that's what I'm saying. I'm glad we had this conversation. Would you uh, be willing to uh, entertain a question or two? Of course. Okay, let's do a couple. Where I, I don't want to keep you longer. We've already close to the hour. I don't mind. Give me I'm a apart.
3: Did you want to? Uh, I'll just you want me to read off some questions. They'll, yeah, read off keep, some questions. Okay. Um,
0: well, it's simpler and we get more questions that way.
3: All right, let's see. Um, from let's see I'm gonna hit uh, I'm gonna hit telegram first guys and then uh, go to you at uh, Cozy so start to ask those questions over at Cozy. <clears throat> from Estefania, a question. And can Mr. Moskowitz please explain his interpretation of the Talmud verses that say Jesus is boiling in excrement for all eternity? and that Mary was a whore who slept with carpenters. Thank you.
2: Well, well. first of all, those sorts of comments were in a book called uh, the, bo- the Book of, Je- of Jesus, the uh, uh, Kepha Yeshu, I believe it was called. It was not Talmud. It was nasty. It was unkind. I don't think that that's something that uh, I'm proud of. Uh, there was a lot of bitterness in the first two centuries of the modern era between the two Jewish sects, those being Judaism and and early Christianity. And there was a lot of nasty things that were said back and forth on both sides. In fact, Dr. Jones, you note some of the nasty things said by St. John Chrysostom and St. Jerome about Jews. So, you know, look, It has to be viewed, my book is a book of of social theory and you have to view it in the context of the times. There were some really nasty things that went down between and some very fierce competition that went down between these two sides. And yeah, there were some nasty things that uh, Jews in those first centuries said about Jesus and that's regrettable. Um, It was, you know, I think that the Talmud, don't forget medieval Judaism was answerable to the Pope. And the Pope, communicated with the chief rabbis and told them to remove those things from the Talmud, and they did. Uh, So, you know, I'm not here to apologize for those things. I think they were wrong, but I think they need to be viewed in the context of the bitter times that were underway during those centuries.
3: Okay, uh, next question for Dr. Jones. Uh, or, or he's being asked, uh, is there an ETA for the second edition of Libido Dominandi?
0: No, I mean, with the book, the book is, uh, f- finished. Uh, I've got other books in the pipeline. Uh, so, uh, theoretically it could come out this year, but I, I can't give you an expected arrival date until I send it to the printer and they send a, a date back to me. So no, I can't give you a date.
3: Uh, from Kingfish AF on cozy uh, for Moskowitz is uh, Brock Haminim <clears throat> blessing on the heretics and anti Christian
2: prayer. Um, I don't. I'm not really all that up on that. Um, I'm. I'm not. You know, frankly, I'm not a, a, a deep scholar on on prayer. I know that in the um, in the there was an eighth prayer that was added by the rabbis that it wasn't that it was anti-Christian, but for a Christian to say it would have meant a repudiation of Jesus. And this was put in there because you had Christians in the first century going into the synagogue and trying to proselytize. And the rabbis wanted to kind of weed them out. And in fact, it's been said, according to Talmudic sources, that one of those Jews who went into the synagogue and left because he wouldn't say they... Uh, the the eighth prayer in the uh, Shemone Esrei was none other than St. John who wrote the fourth gospel of the New Testament. Uh,
3: Let's see. Um, uh, This is for Charles from user 56283. Charles, were you retract calling EMJ an anti-Semite given the way that will be interpreted in the
2: main? Yes, I don't want Dr. Jones to be attacked and to be censored. I'm against that. I condemn the ADL in no uncertain terms for this. They, they've totally twisted and perverted the meaning of the word anti-Semite to include anybody that doesn't goose step to the left. You know, if you're anti-abortion, you're an anti-Semite. If you're against gay, mar- if you're against gay marriage, you're an anti-Semite. It's ridiculous. Those things have nothing to do with Judaism. And those guys don't know anything about Judaism. They're Jewish. But they're captivated by a leftist agenda. You can just see it by looking at their their materials. I do think that they have done a good job with giving respect where it's due when it comes to defending the uh, the state of Israel. So I commend them for that. But when it comes to their embrace of these leftist causes and then to try to claim that these are Jewish causes, that is a uh, it's a it's a smear on the entire body of Judaism.
3: Uh, From Post No Bills, um, I guess this could be either for Dr. Jones or Charles, one way or the other. Why is the U.S. so determined on bringing abortion, gay disco values to the Philippines and other third world nations?
0: Uh, Because sexual liberation is a form of political control.
3: I agree with that. All right, Um, from uh, another user on Cozy uh, question, uh, does uh, does Charles believe Leo Frank was guilty or innocent and why?
2: I believe he was guilty. I think he was convicted by his peers of being a a murderer and a rapist. Um, The fact that the ADL got involved, the early ADL got involved in that is a a terrible miscarriage of justice. Uh, Dr. Jones did a good job in his book, The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit, on that issue, um, and that they politicized uh, anti-Semitism, and that was wrong.
3: Um, let's see, where was it? Um, from Maxed Out on Cozy, uh, what is the meaning of uh, Sanhedrin 59A uh, to communicate anything to a Goy about our religious
2: relations? Uh, I don't I don't specifically know what you're talking about, but I will say that because that, that the, uh, the Talmud, which is this huge compendium of thoughts and, and it was very much written in the style of the Greek philosophers who would go around the table and everybody would put their thoughts in some of them, which would be completely contradictory, but it would they keep all of it. It was one of the basic missions was to build a hedge around the, Jew, uh, the Jewish people in exile. And that meant a separation of the Jewish people from the non-Jewish world to the best that they could achieve it as a way of preserving the Jewish people and the covenant. And to that extent, the Talmud was extremely successful.
3: Uh, From uh, Finnish House Mafia on Cozy, uh, this isn't to specifically anyone, so it goes to both of you guys. Are you supporting RFK Jr. for president? If so, why?
2: I, I am. am. I, I mean, would, I, I, I hope he gets the Democratic nomination. I would hope I, I support him for president because I'm I'm very much partial toward President Trump. I hope he runs again and wins. But I think he's a tremendous figure, and I, I I'm very pleased to see him come up. And it's interesting. I was being attacked.
0: Oh, no, I was. Uh, I would vote for him. sure. So I thought first of all, I think there is an an unhealed wound in this country uh, that began with the assassination of john f kennedy and then mm-hmm. uh his brother robert ran for president to heal that wound not to he so much to heal that wound as to expose who did it as the only way of healing that wound and then he was murdered and so there's something that there's something uh what should i say like uh like destiny here that uh his son would come back and try to uh avenge not not so much avenge his father's and his uncle's death but to clarify the circumstances around it because that has led to this great mystification of American politics that has led us into the mess that we're in right now so I think it's a good idea same here
3: uh, from uh, Amy Smith on telegram question are all Catholics anti-semites for saying that Jews killed Christ and that Jews are wrong to reject Christ or is that just a theological difference? <laughs>
0: If I would just like to say here, Catholics are not anti-Semites. Catholics are anti-Jewish. And uh, the Gospels are anti-Jewish. And that does not mean the same thing as anti-Semitism. And I tried to make this
2: clear uh, in all of our conversations. I agree with that. I mean, look, the word anti-Semitism has changed from its original meaning, which was a race-based thing and it's just come to mean anti-Jewish as well. But having said that, I respect the fact, I don't want Catholics to change their their gospel. Um, I think that maybe some of these things have not been interpreted right, but that's, I'm speaking here as an outsider, it's not my business. That's a Catholic issue, that's for Catholics to debate. I I don't really want to raise it and say it's anti-Semitic, you know, to, to believe that. I just think that within the Catholic Church, there's been different opinions going back centuries on, on what those Gospels mean. And certainly the Jew, we, we view it quite differently from a Jewish perspective. All right, one more question.
3: Uh, where was it? We a good one. Ah, uh, from uh, Brandt04 Brandt um, to Charles, uh, how can you call right-wing Judaism, quote, underground uh, when the Daily Wire and Breitbart exist?
2: Well, I mean, that that's a good omen, the fact that they exist. They, they are more conservative, and I think that's part of Jexit. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I'm talking about this the, the continual grip that the the that the left has on what you might call the Jewish Federation in America and on too many Jewish minds in America. They're still in the minority, and I, I, I'm glad they're doing what they're doing. I mean, they're bringing up genuine jewish values and jewish faith
0: charles thank you for coming on thank you Uh, thank you for uh listening in thank you for the questions and we'll see you again next week thank you